We all have bucket lists. As a lifelong sports fan, mine is full of tons of different sporting events and venues, from the NBA, NFL, Olympics, and beyond. However, my greatest bucket list item is something I want to share with the world and fans like me. What if you could attend a home college football game for all 130 and counting FBS programs? Seems crazy, right? Join me, your host, Bobby Wilson, as I take you along for the ride to see all the FBS venues and more. This is the TNT College Football Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the very next episode of the TNT College Football Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Wilson. Hope everybody enjoyed week three of the college football season. A lot of action, a lot of interesting things happening, going on. But uh, first, let's let's dive into uh, let's dive into a little bit of a Yukon uh, talk. Uh, again, I. I Take a little bit of time every week in my podcast, talk about UConn. I have a partnership with Sidelines UConn. Um, thank you to all the Husky fans that that uh, look look on Twitter every week for my breakdown of the upcoming opponent and for tuning into the podcast here. We I greatly appreciate that. Um, it, it's it's not very often that you lose a game uh, like fifty two to twenty one like UConn did. And you you see some, uh, but you 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 see a lot of positive things happening in that second half for the Huskies. Um, some good things happened there, and and I think they found a quarterback for the for the future potentially for the Huskies. Um, freshman <clears throat> freshman QB um, Tyler. I'm not even going to try to pronounce that. Last, pronounce his last name, Papakanen. Um, he he came out. He now his completion percentage wasn't great in the game, but it's because his wide receivers were dropping balls left and right. That's he, one one thing that UConn really needs to fix. There they need to they need to get some better receivers in there. But he ran the ball really well. He had two rushing touchdowns, and I I, I think we can all agree that that's kind of something that that college football is turning to or is those dual threat type quarterbacks who can do who can do those multiple things like we've seen that in the guys that are winning the Heisman lately it's those dual threat guys and I'm not saying the kid from UConn's going to go on and do that but I think the way college football is going having that dual threat ability is a huge huge thing and that that could be something good for UConn going forward but a big thing for UConn today that just came out for the football program. Um, sources at UConn say the remaining football coaches were told last week there will be a, uh, a, a, a official announcement of it, um, but they, none of them will be returning for next season, um, which, which really isn't a surprise, I guess you could say, because, I mean, when – Whenever a new new head coach comes in, he wants to bring in his own guys. I mean, anybody anybody around sports kind of knows that. Um, but it 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 does kind of make it uh, does kind of make it official. Like, hey, this like nobody on this staff is coming back, and and I think we all kind of knew that coming in or seeing seeing what's going on. But one big thing I saw was the. The, the six-month severance, severance package that they will be getting, um, I will speak from a from experience who, from a college coach who lost their job. 
uh, that six-month severance package is not normal. Now, granted, I have not coached at that level, like UConn's level, but still, that six-month severance package is a pretty big deal um, for for uh, coaches. And uh, obviously, I think if those guys will be able to bounce back and land on their feet. But it does set up, it does set UConn up behind the eight ball for the rest of the season. And it, it then turns into, well, are these coaches going to be giving their all because of they're knowing they're not going to have their job back? But, I mean, I think anybody who's been around the coaching profession like I have from coaching college basketball, I think, and then just being around sports my whole life, I think you, one, there's a sense of professionalism that you need to have as a coach no matter what. Uh, no matter what your situation is, like you need to be coaching. One, you need to be coaching for the love of the game. It's not you're not just coaching for that paycheck. Now, granted, some of these guys, I'm not saying that they are, but some of these guys at UConn at this point might be doing that. But um, I, I think if you if you go out and you perform the way that you're able to perform, and you coach up the players the right way, you you prove then to your next employer that you belong and that you deserve that opportunity at that next employer. So I think that's a huge, huge thing moving forward. The Huskies this week, they have Wyoming. Wyoming's undefeated. Wyoming has a good running game. Um, it, it's it's definitely going to be a test for the Huskies. But it, it, it does kind of set up. It's one of those type of games where I think a lot of people – I mean, the rest of the year, the Huskies are obviously going to be underdogs. Um, but it does kind of set up for one of those, I don't want to say a trap game, but for Wyoming, they're coming across the country. Um, UConn did play better in the second half. So, I mean, UConn or uh, Wyoming does need to be ready for that. Um, but, <clears throat> but, I mean, if we're being honest, Wyoming is the better football team. But, but we'll see. I mean, it's a... It's a midday start, uh, 3.30 start out east, 2.30 central where I'm at, um, and 1.30 start for the Wyoming players being mountain time. So, I mean, it's not like they're playing at 10 in the morning their time. But uh, it'll, it'll, be, it'll be interesting. I, I, think, I think UConn could put up a better fight in that game than a lot of people think um, just because of the way that they ended that game against Army. One thing, now one thing I tweeted out about uh, this past weekend, and something if you listen to the last episode of the podcast with me and Nick Izzo, um, coming from our basketball coaching backgrounds, and something that we've seen a lot on the college basketball side of things that has worked really, really well, and could it spill over onto the football side? Could could these big time programs start hiring? Alum, big time, famous alumni, NFL former NFL players, to uh, to be their next head coach. I mean, I think a couple jobs coming open in the very near future. I mean, we've already seen two open up in UConn and USC, and I mean, names that pop to mind for UConn. Obviously, everybody talks about Dan Orlovsky. I mean, USC, you could go down the line. There's a ton of guys that could get that job. Um, former players that you would just be like, yeah, why wouldn't, and then you just, like, why wouldn't USC hire Reggie Bush to be a figurehead 
um, and then just hire coaches around him like that. Um, but one job that's going to be opening up maybe sooner rather than later, Florida State. I mean, they've started 0-3, and uh, I think the writing might be on the wall there. But uh, something I talked about in the last episode with Nick, um, could Deion Sanders get that job? I, I personally think Deion Sanders will be the next head coach of Florida State. Um, obviously, like I said, we've seen on the basketball side of things how well that's went for Juwan Howard, Penny Hardaway. Like it, it, It's really, really – I mean, Patrick Ewing has had some success, maybe not the success that some people would like, but Georgetown is better. Um, obviously didn't work out for Chris Mullins at St. John's, but it, it's – but it has worked. So I, I, I think – I think we've seen that Deion, Deion Sanders is doing a good job at Jackson State. He's getting great players, obviously. They almost beat uh, Louisiana Monroe this past week. I actually thought they would, but uh, it was a very, very close game, though. But I think that's something that could happen. Another job that's probably going to be opened up sooner rather than later, Miami. And, I mean, you could go down the line of guys, again, uh, at Miami, like, you're telling I mean you see Ed Reed at all the Miami games I'm not saying he's gonna be the next next head coach of Miami but I mean a guy like that brings instant instant credibility to the recruiting base because I mean this is a guy who's been there and done that played at the highest level both in college and the NFL and had a ton of success um, I I just feel like this is a route that that uh, college football could 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 turn to. I mean, like I said, it's worked in basketball. Why wouldn't it work in college football? Um, I'm, not, I'm not saying in every scenario that that's going to be the case, but I, I I think it's something that we could start seeing. Another thing I want to talk about: Arch Archie Man, Arch Manning just released his uh, uh, his five visits he's going to be taking coming up pretty soon here pretty interesting i think um georgia on september 18th alabama on october 2nd texas on october 16th ole miss on october 23rd and clemson on october 30th i'm just going to be point blank here if if anybody thinks that he that it's not a done deal that he's going to go to alabama i think it's pretty crazy why wouldn't that kid why like I understand his lineage and the family ties and what he's coming from, but why wouldn't he go play for Nick Saban? Like, I I just feel like that's a foregone conclusion, and I think there's going to be a lot of upset people on social media and Twitter and everything. They're going to like lose their minds when he doesn't commit to Clemson or Ole Miss or Texas or Georgia or Tennessee. Like, I I just feel like these fan bases are going to get really really disappointed. But it's like. I think it's pretty clear. Like it, it, I don't. I just don't understand why he would go anywhere besides Alabama. Why wouldn't he go play for the arguably the greatest coach of all time? Why wouldn't he go to play in that system and go and turn into the next great Alabama quarterback, the next great NFL quarterback? We've like we've seen the line of guys that have come out of Alabama recently, and it's just, I, I it just makes too much sense. Like, I, I, I do, I just don't see a scenario where he doesn't 
where he doesn't go that route. And like I said, I feel like there's going to be a lot of angry fan bases and it's, it's, it's going to be comical in my opinion. Um, another thing I'd like to talk about some, some rumors coming out, uh, about, uh, more conference expansion, AC, the AAC, the big 12, the mountain West pack 12, um, something that came out today, San Diego state and Boise state, uh, have kind of pulled themselves out of the American, the AAC realignment, um, and they're waiting for calls from the Big 12. I mean, obviously, I think that makes sense. I, I think the Pac-12 would be foolish if they didn't call San Diego State. I, I, I think they would be... I, I think it, it would just be ridiculous if they didn't call them. I mean, the, two weeks in a row, they beat Arizona. And then this past week, they beat Utah. I mean, San Diego State is really, really good. And... They they deserve that opportunity, and let's be honest, if if San Diego State goes to the Pac-12 or Big 12 for that matter, it's going to help both those con- conferences tremendously when it comes to basketball. Um, <clears throat> I know we're all looking at it from the football side, but that's going to help them tremendously in other sports. But uh, yeah, the, but I, I the rumors I saw today were dealing more so with the Big 12. But my personal opinion is. The Pac-12 needs to be calling both of them. If the Pac-12 wants to get in on this, on the expansion, like those are the two teams that they really need to be focusing on. And then from the American side, it's looking like Air Force and Colorado State have turned into the two major teams they're looking at, along with potentially getting Army to move from the independent ranks to the AAC. And and, uh, then... The AAC would have all three service academies, which I, I think it would be really cool if the AAC is selling the three service academies on like you're playing in the American com- the Americans conference, like this is where you're supposed to be. And, and I, I think it makes perfect sense that for those programs to be in that conference from that from the level that they're at, I mean it it makes sense for them. And Air Force and Colorado State can kind of be travel partners in that uh, landscape, but uh, <clears throat> it uh, for other sports, obviously football, the traveling partner aspect doesn't really matter, but it it, it just makes sense there. Um, the Mountain West rumors, uh, if I think it's inevitable that Boise State leaves the Mountain West, I think it's probably inevitable that San Diego State leaves. It's looking like Air Force and Colorado State are going to leave. <clears throat> that then leads Fresno State, who I have not really seen any rumors of, which doesn't make any sense to me because of how great of a season they're having. But what if Fresno State turns into the torchbearer for the Mountain West? And then who does the Mountain West turn to then for um, for who they would be looking for? I mean, I think you got to say North Dakota State. Montana, um, looking at FCS teams, Weber State, Utah State might say no to that, but I think it just makes sense for them to call. But I think they're going to really look into, I think they want that Texas market. And it turns into who in Texas do they want? I think obviously Sam Houston State, Stephen F. Austin on the the FCS level 
are teams that you really, really think about there. Could New Mexico State be a team that you're thinking about? Um, I, I think one team that's kind of interesting to me would be Texas State. Um, Texas State's kind of an outlier in the Sun Belt. Um, it might make a little more sense for them if they're in the Mountain West. Um, so th would the Sun Belt be willing to part ways with Texas State? I, I wouldn't see why not, um, just because I feel like there's a lot of other teams that they could uh, that they could entice to join. I've kind of talked about that on previous episodes. But uh, another team that really, really that's really, really intriguing is a. Uh, UTSA, Texas San Antonio. I mean, th this team has a chance to maybe go undefeated this year. They're really, really good. Um, I think, I think the American needs to be calling them too because I, th I mean, obviously the American just lost Houston, so <coughs> you would think they would want to keep that Texas market. And getting UTSA in San Antonio allows them to do that, but could the Mountain West? offer more be enticing um I, I think i think from a travel perspective it would make more sense for utsa to be in the mountain west but uh it, it's all going to come down to money obviously um from that perspective um, just be interesting to see what happens there um, because i i've seen rumors for both sides for utsa with the american and the mountain west so it'll just be really really intriguing and like I said, for the Pac-12, I mean, if the Pac-12 wants to get in on expansion, I mean, there's only so many ways they can go. I mean, San Diego State makes the most logical sense. And then Boise State, I feel like, has to be on the radar. But after those two, it's like, who who then who then do you call up? I mean, Fresno State's beaten UCLA four times in a row now. But can Fresno State compete in any other sport? Um that's what, that's what that turns into then I feel, <clears throat> but uh, but the Pac-12 could be left out to dry because I I don't I I feel like at this point that the rest of the Big Twelve, um, I just don't feel like that they're going to be leaving. I feel like the Big Twelve has done enough to keep keep like Oklahoma State, Texas Tech. I feel like they've done enough to keep them there. Um, that that I don't feel like they would leave for the Pac-12. But it'll be very, very interesting to see how that all goes. Um, <clears throat> let's want to talk about a couple uh, week three performances. I've already hinted to Fresno State got their fourth straight win over UCLA. To me, that wasn't an upset. Um, UCLA was ripe for the picking after the past couple games that they've had. They've played really, really well. But um, Fresno State is really good. I. I watched their entire game against UConn. Very, very impressed. Um, they should have beat Oregon. And or we saw Oregon win at Ohio State. Um, Fresno State had Oregon beat. And just at the end kind of lost it. So I wasn't surprised at all by, by that performance at all. But the one game I really, really want to talk about, Auburn-Penn State. Okay. <coughs> I think it's... It was obviously amazing seeing that white out the way that that the fans came out that student section at Penn State is probably the best in America and and when they do that white out that stadium is just another level of just greatness 
uh, Auburn didn't play bad, obviously. They were they hung in. They did what they were supposed to do. But Penn State came out and took care of business. And I have to do a little, a little self-gloating here. Coming into the season... On on the on our podcast Twitter account at TNT College Foot One. If you're not following, hit give us a follow, please. But in the preseason, I talked about how I felt Penn State was a team that could that could really really do something in the Big Ten East. A team that could really really uh, compete for a Big Ten title and. And I feel like they've shown that they that they can do that. Um, and I, I said Sean Clifford was one of the best quarterbacks, not only in Big Ten, but in the country. And I took a lot of flack for that on social media from a lot of Ohio State people, but a lot of just a lot of people in general. And I just want to do a little self-gloating right now and say, I was pretty right on that. And I think we're seeing Penn State has one of the best resumes in the country now. They went to Wisconsin and won. They beat a good Ball State team. Ball State has a chance to win the MAC. Then they turn around and beat a good Auburn team who's going to finish with eight or nine wins in the SEC. So if you look at it right now, if you look at the Big Ten and the Big Ten East in particular, well, let's just say they beat potentially the best team in the West in Wisconsin. I know Iowa's going to have a lot to say about that. Penn State and Iowa play later in the year, which is going to be a fantastic football game. But you cannot tell me right now that Penn State is not better than Ohio State. It'll be really interesting to see when they play Michigan, because Michigan's playing really well, as is Michigan State. But you can't tell me right now that anyone else in the Big Ten is better than Penn State. I feel like they made that statement this weekend and moving forward. I want to highlight two games in week four. The first thing I want to say about both these games, Notre Dame and Wisconsin and Texas A&M, Arkansas. The first thing I want to say is stop playing games in neutral sites. Stop making these games in these neutral sites. Notre Dame and Wisconsin do not need to play at Soldier Field in Chicago. Texas A&M and Arkansas do not need to play in Jerry's World. Get these games back on the college campuses where they belong. It's college football. You want the pageantry. You want the fandom. We don't need these games at NFL stadiums. I'm sick of seeing it. It. We are college football fans because we love the pageantry and we love the atmosphere of college football games. I don't want to. I'm not gonna. Well, I am not gonna go to a football game that is played at a regular season football game that's played at an NFL stadium. I'm just not going to do that. Now, I understand some teams play their home games at NFL stadiums. That's a different point in itself. You need an on-campus stadium. But we, they, these teams and these programs need to stop making these games like this. Stop doing it. Now, I will say Notre Dame-Wisconsin going into this game, Notre Dame has not looked good at all. The only thing that Notre Dame has looked good with is safety Kyle Hamilton. He is unreal. He 
he needs to be in the Heisman consideration as one of the, he's one of the best players in college football. He is unbelievable. <clears throat> but other than that, nobody on Notre Dame scares you. And, and I mean, I understand Wisconsin isn't going to scare you too much either. But I just feel like Wisconsin's a better football team. I feel like they're going to kind of come out and be more physical than Notre Dame. And I feel like they're going to be able to get the W there. <laughs> An interesting thing I saw in Notre Dame's uh, game against Purdue is I believe their next five or, or six, I can't remember the exact figure, upcoming opponents are coming off a bye which Wisconsin is this week. And and I just think that sets up terribly for the Irish. Um, not, <laughs> I mean, I know they have no control over their opponent's schedule, but I, <clears throat> I would just wonder if that's happened before. I'm sure it's happened to Alabama or some other teams, but it, it, <clears throat> it's just, <laughs> they're going to have to go through the gauntlet to get that done. And then the next game, Texas A&M against Arkansas. Texas A&M has not uh, not impressed me yet this year. Should have lost to Colorado, honestly. But Arkansas has impressed. And I think Arkansas is going to be able to get over that Texas A&M bugaboo that they have and, and, surprisingly, and surprise some people and get that win there. Um, just because I'm not sold on Notre Dame or A&M. Either one. Those are obviously the two big games coming into this week. Um, not not as big of a slate of games um, as this past week. Obviously, I feel like I need to discuss Florida a little bit. I'm not big on moral victories, but the way that they were able to perform against Alabama said a lot. And I think it sets up very well for Florida, Georgia down the road. I think that game's going to be a lot closer than anyone thought. I I think we can all agree that Georgia's kind of separated themselves from a lot of people, but I think Florida proved this weekend that they're not that far off. Then another <clears throat> another game that looking into the future, Oklahoma has struggled. Um, and Kansas State came out and beat, beat Nevada pretty handily. And, and I thought going to that game, that game was going to be very, very close with how good Nevada is. But Kansas State's really good. And Kansas State trounced Stanford, who trounced USC. So, I mean, that Oklahoma-Kansas State game coming up in early October takes on some new meaning as well. And that one's going to be really, really exciting, I feel like. Um, and we know the history that Kansas State and Oklahoma have recently with the upsets that have occurred in that in that series. So with how questionable Oklahoma's looked this year, that game also sets up really well as well. Um, again, guys, I thank thank you a lot for uh, tuning into this to this week's episode. Again, I'll be uh, as always, I'll be doing it. An interview with a guest this week, um, and I'll get that out, try and get that out uh, Friday morning for you guys. Looking forward to uh, to another great guest interview. Um, I have another upcoming partnership that I'm really, really excited about. Um, you can tune to uh, turn to Twitter to hear more about that in the next couple days. The Twitter account for the podcast is at 
TNT College Foot One. Uh, please give that a follow. My personal Twitter is at Coach underscore B Will. Um, looking forward to seeing what this what this new partnership will bring, and uh, looking forward to some more exciting things coming in the future. Um, again, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Have a good night. God bless.